0: there we go okay thank you (laughs) all right let's start in prayer ladies jesus um we just praise you that you are king of kings and lord of lords jesus in this holy week um we just pray that you pause our hearts lord jesus just pause our minds and our hearts so that we can take in um, the glory of what you did for us lord jesus we thank you for going to the cross, and this week particularly, may, may we just reach out to you, Lord Jesus, to um, and ask that you impact our hearts with the, the profanity of what you did, Lord Jesus, by going to the cross and and walking in as king and um, then being resurrected, Lord Jesus. We just praise you and thank you. I pray for this time. Um, I thank you for this gathering, Lord Jesus. and. Uh, May we just share um, an intimate love with you, Lord Jesus, and and to you be the glory. In your name, amen. Amen. All right, so today we're going to look at truth and detecting the lies of our world. Um, And I feel like this is kind of the theme that we've had the whole time, is this is just like a tiny scratch of the surface. I don't know about any of you, but I feel like each one of these weeks could be an entire bible study of its own so this is just gonna um, scratch the surface um, as to god's call to us and for our lives so as we begin to wrap up this study let's just briefly recall what jesus's purpose was when preaching the sermon on the mount so at the beginning of his ministry he was announcing that the good news of the kingdom uh, was at hand coming god's love his peace his reign his joy his hope had Always here. And in order to live under the reign um, of the kingdom of God, we needed to, or people needed to repent. So turn away from sin and turn into God. Um, so the Sermon on the Mount describes what life under God's reign would look like, what it looks like under God's authority. And what we've discovered through this time is that it looks very different than what the world looks like so uh we are looking always at what kind of life does jesus call us to do okay so as we study the sermon on the mount we see that god is calling to us to a life that looks really different than the world and it doesn't mean of course that we have to look different or dress differently although that's fine too um Unless you're a teenage girl, then you must dress differently than the world. I'll just say that. I'm looking at my three teenagers, and, and they're doing a good job. Um, uh, but because we have Jesus Christ in our hearts, we're going to live differently. We're going to think differently. We're going to love differently. Um, the, the world calls us to love, our, love ourself, and I feel like that's just everywhere these days. And God is calling us to live out. God is calling us to inner beauty. The world is calling us to outer beauty. You, you all know how that looks. So discovering truth and uncovering the lies of our world is really of utmost importance for all of us as we walk in Jesus Christ in our Christian walk. Um, And it's a lifelong journey. I think all of us can attest that um, we never arrive anywhere. It's just a constant. Linda, you're like nodding oh your head. God. Yes, it's just constant <laughs> journey until we get to heaven. <laughs> so, and Satan's lies have just infiltrated our world, and they they have since the very beginning. Um, but they've infiltrated our world about about God Himself, about who we are um, on, on this earth, about what God can do, about God's power, um, and even lies about the world the word of god itself and some of that we've uncovered how satan has just taken the word and just twisted it and how it's just prevalent in our culture um, we are Unfortunately bombarded and our, our children and our grandchildren are bombarded with lies about God and about ourselves each each and every day all day long So discerning the lies and lifting the truth of God's word to the highest point of our thinking And um, in, in our lives is what one of the most important things that we can do and that we need to do um, each day as a Christian um, I can tell you in my own faith walk, that's probably been the most pivotal point of my entire life is to accept God's word as truth, um, no matter how I felt, no matter what I was experiencing, no matter what made sense in my head. um, It's just a complete abandonment that God's love is absolute, his truth is absolute, um, and that honestly changed my life more than anything else. Um, and, and, and I'm still working on it. It's something I have to remember every day. Um, so all of us stumble and all of us have seen people stumble. And I just like to suggest that, um, when we stumble for, for whatever reason, it's because we're believing a lie about God. We're believing a lie that, that the enemy has um, put in front of us. And, and it's, it's, it's going to um, make us stumble no matter what. A pastor once told me that the Bible um, stands for basic instructions before leaving earth. Um, <laughs> and it, I thought that was so cute. Um, and it's all here. I'm, I'm using your Bible. I'm sure. sorry. I keep pointing to That's your okay. Bible. but <laughs> um, Because th- this is the truth. This is absolute truth. And one of the most important things we can believe and the starting point is that this is absolute truth. Does he require us to seek him? Yes. Does he ask us to look and learn and continue to journey? Yes, he, he requires an, an active participation on our uh, on our part. That's because he loves us so much. But he wants more than anything for us to have a relationship with him. And our lives, our truth, our, how we look at things, how we live in this world can all be based on this. And this has become especially tricky um, in our generation, in this culture, and Pastor Coffee, if, if you go to this church, talked about it on Sunday, and actually but, um, I had written this before I even heard the sermon, so it was blessed that he, he brought this up too, um, and if you were with us last semester, you heard uh, Pastor Chris Sorrows comment and answer some of these questions too, um, that this generation scholars sociologists are citing that this is the first generation that does not believe in absolute truth like never have they studied um, seen it in a generation where in such prevalence to say okay you do you and I'll do me and what's good for you is fine as long as it doesn't hurt anybody and what's good for for me as long as it doesn't hurt anybody Um, but the truth is and we know from God's Word sin hurts so if if it's if it's sin if it's not standing up against the thank you for having this for me by the way (laughs) the word of god if it's not standing up on the truth of the word of god it will be harmful there is no such thing of what's good for you and what's good for me god is the only one that gets to define absolute truth and so we must look to his truth to do that um so what Jesus is saying here in these scriptures that we're going to study today is that it's, it's radical and it is Jesus is giving a final notice and he gave it to that generation and he's giving it to us and he has ever since that Jesus demands an answer. Um, that's not a popular point of view in our culture. And again, none of the Sermon on the Mount is popular, but Jesus demands an answer um, in john four sixteen, and this is probably a familiar scripture to most of us he, jesus says he says i am the way the truth and the life and no one comes to the father except through me so if we look at this jesus is either telling the truth that he is the way he is the truth he is the life or he's lying so it's up to each one of us it's up to each person to decide is that is that true or not and i can tell you i know i've even been indoctrinated um into the culture because even i say this to all of you you your loving hearts your beautiful god-seeking hearts my heart's pounding because that feels i feel a little bit like that's a little offensive you know and it isn't offensive um, except in our culture it is so jesus demands an answer so we are professing faith in jesus christ and that is what jesus said that he is the way in the truth and the life and he says no one comes to the father except through him so this certainly is hard teaching and not popular amongst many groups right now um and i think in our culture in, in the whole world it's we want an out and that's kind of what's become easy in our culture but jesus is not saying i give you an out he says i'm the truth he's not saying i'm the truth and the way and the light for some people or you know if that works for you um then then or we a popular way of hearing that is saying uh jesus isn't saying i am a way to the father because we hear that a lot there's lots of ways to the father Mm -hmm. he's not saying that and ladies that's that's hard teaching but that is what jesus is calling us to um Jesus is the one true way the path to god and it's it, it is seen as offensive um, But it's incredibly important that we realize that jesus demands a decision Is jesus telling the truth is he the only way to god and he is is he the one and only son Of god do we believe him? So let's look at this passage. Um, if you'd like to turn in your bibles matthew seven thirteen through 20. We're going to start there you of course. <laughs> All right. Would anyone like to read that, The Narrow Gate? Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. So That's okay. I'll get it. In this passage, um, Jesus, again, is demanding a decision. He's saying you either see the gate as I see it, that it's narrow, um, or you do not. And there's only one choice that we have to make. We either take the choice to life or the choice to destruction um and it is it is truly he's saying it is black and white here there's there's only one way to enter and what he's saying is that it's a small gate and only a few find it but when we enter through that gate even though it's small and it's narrow it brings eternal life on the other side of the gate is everything that he has to offer which is is so beautiful and so amazing And that doesn't mean that it's difficult to become a Christian. Jesus says if we accept Christ as the Son of God and believe he died on the cross to save us from our sins, um, that we will live eternally with God. But what he is saying is that only a few will choose to enter through that gate. Um, And Jesus alone makes the way straight for us to be right before God. And because God gives us, loves us, and gives us free will, he's not going to force us into the narrow gate. He's not going to take us by the shoulder and shove us through. That's not his way. He wants us to choose that. He wants us to choose um, him. And then on the other side, so we have one gate that's very narrow, and then we have another gate that's very, very wide, and that is the gate that leads to destruction. And that's kind of a frightening thought that the the gate that leads to destruction is so wide so there's plenty of room to go to go through that it stands wide open it's hugely permissive um and it's very tempting for any of us to go on our own path through that wide gate um this is the path that says you do me i'll you do you i'll do me um there's no absolute truth there's lots of ways to get to this other side um, of the narrow gate. But that's not what Jesus said. Um, It doesn't, when we go through the gate of destruction, it doesn't require change on our part. It's easier to go through the the wide gate. Um, And in fact, the Christian life uh, calls us to change, to transformation. It calls us to conviction by the Holy Spirit saying, what you're doing is wrong. Um, it's that, that voice in our heart or the voice in our head that knows what we're doing is wrong. That, even in our culture and in our world, has has been labeled oppressive. Like, don't, don't tell me I'm doing anything wrong. Um, but God is the only one who gets to say that things um, are wrong. So, in contrast, Jesus is saying by making him Lord of our lives, by going through the, the narrow gate, we're given a new heart and we're given a new spirit. And the old self is passing away. The leanings of our sinful nature are going to be changed. Our sinful habits, our sinful lifestyles, our sinful relationships must be turned over and the new must come. And again, this isn't some place we just arrived. This is a process that is continually happening in all of our lives. Because only in Jesus is there transformation from the inside out. Our sinful selves are denied. Our bodies, our souls, our minds are kept under safe boundaries um, daily temptations are resisted um, and we're going to have to do things that go against our inclination which is not always fun (laughs) so here's another characteristic of the narrow path and this is again going to be wildly unpopular but we must endure hardship and we're going to have trouble that's that's a horrible like that's something we don't want we don't want that but jesus says it's going to come and god loved us so much that he sent his son to die on the cross so if jesus had hardship who are we to say we shouldn't i mean the son of god himself had the ultimate hardship of going to the cross and and it's not it's not comfortable it's not something we welcome we don't want it but if Jesus went to the cross for us and suffered that, then so we can too. We can suffer what we have to in this world to get to the other side through the narrow gate. Um, so many things in our world, so many tempt us to say, well, I deserve this. Or, um, and we convince ourselves, I think, to say, I deserve happiness. I deserve um, d- d- just whatever it is, the utmost goal of our existence. Um, and god does love it when we're joyful he loves it when our relationships work he loves it when we're in the health of the realm and the, the reign of him in our lives however because we're on this earth because we're sinful none of us deserves it just like jesus didn't deserve the punishment that he got on the cross we don't deserve to have a comfortable happy flawless life um and i think that's something that we are constantly having to fight against these days at least at least i am is that this isn't about me being comfortable this life isn't about me being content or fulfilled or happy although god loves that it's about his purposes being worked out in each of our lives and that's going to look hard and a lot of times He wants relationship with us. He wants to mold us and purpose us for himself, Um, and that can be a really painful process. There's a scripture that talks about the potter's wheel. Maybe you've seen that, that we are the clay. He is the potter. If you look at how a potter makes a mug or makes something, if you were the clay, that probably would hurt. I mean, it, it wouldn't be that comfortable. It's messy, and it's punching, and it's, thick thumbs going into us and that's what god is doing us is molding us through that pain through that hardship he's molding us into more of his our like the likeness of himself it's not going to feel good but it most certainly is good and it's so worth it um following christ in this life no matter what we face no matter what the troubles are no matter how hard it is um is going to be worth it because in heaven that's where we keep our eyes we're going to have eternal bliss our suffering will stop Um, we're going to have total contentment total fulfillment of our souls and just one minute in heaven is going to be worth any suffering that we feel here which is so hard to remember when we're in the midst of it but it is truly about where we're going it's not about here um there is uh if you've read any of the books of the chronicles of narnia one of my very favorite lines that that's by C.S. Lewis and he is children's books I don't know if you're familiar but he it, it is really the gospel um, in a children's story it's so beautiful <coughs> but Aslan is the the lion of the story and he he's the Jesus figure is Aslan and there's a point in the children I get this I'm still saying it um my favorite line in the whole thing they they're all finding out about Aslan and and one of the little girls says is he saved? And they look at him and it's like, is he safe? Meaning, is Jesus safe? And they're like, no, he's not safe. There's no promise of safe. But is he good? Yes, he's good. And I love that. That just I cling to that because um, there are times Jesus i don't want to say time i feel like there's my whole life jesus is saying go over here it's not safe it's not safe but it's good let's go over here so he doesn't (laughs) promise us safety or or feeling that he promised us his goodness so that's just clinging to that Um, I put a quote on our pages Uh, I thought this was really good no man in his wits would choose to go to the gallows because it is a smooth pleasant way to it so I was thinking of just like flowers and um, just like gentleness and soft grass on your bare feet but at the end of the gallows you're going to die but you're not going to choose that way nor refuse to offer of a palace and a throne because it is a rough dirty way to it Yet such absurdities as these are men guilty of in the concerns of their souls. Matthew Henry. So we can't look at the path. The path is not an indication of where we're going. We have to look at the destination. And that is that is where we keep our eyes, no matter how difficult it is. All right. So now we're going to look at the next portion of Scripture, Matthew 7, 15 through 20. Would anyone like to read that? <coughs> Take us. Okay. Thank you. Um, Beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep, but are really vicious wolves. You can identify them by their fruit, that is, by the way they act. Can you pick grapes from a thorn bush, from thorn bushes, or figs from thistles? A good tree produces good fruit, and a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can't. Produce good fruit. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. Thank you. So false prophets. Um, again, that this is a profound, hard teaching for us for us to look at. Um, prophets were people who were given um, a special message from the lord to share with the people that's the definition of prophet and as i researched um, this portion of scripture i learned that we're not just talking about prophets but we're also talking about teachers so these are leaders these are people who are teaching um, from children's sunday school all the way up to the pulpit um, and beyond whatever teaching capacity about the about the bible this is um, that's what they're talking about here um, and I, I think as we go through this, we can see that it's, it's uh, as Christians, we also need to be discerning about any teachers or any leaders that we have, regardless of, of what position, if they're Christian or not. Um, so t- false teachers in Jesus' time were very prevalent. And, and I found this interesting, too. So we're talking about 2,000 years ago. How relevant this is today as well, because what they would do is that they would only teach and they would only say what they thought the king and the people wanted to hear. It's not any different today. That they just we were just taught what people want to what people want to hear um, to be to be popular. Um, it's easier to do that. It seems that uh, this road to destruction that just keeps is widening and widening is easy. That's the comfy way. It's whatever feels good and is right. It uh, feels right, um, but it doesn't mean that it's going to offer life-saving truth. Um, because the truth might actually point to someone's need to change. Um, because the truth might uh, um, require someone to cast off sin and to strive to seek God and to lead the life that God is calling us too. That's why it's unpopular. And sometimes truth, and this is difficult, um, but will create friction, um, that it's going to create friction. And those who are false teachers just affirm the lies that we believe about ourselves, about our God, about the lives that we live. But as we learned in the earlier passage, this is the path that leads to death. And destruction this is this is urgent serious stuff that we're talking about because the temporary gain of finding favor with other people uh, with popularity with um, going with the culture is tragically dangerous because it leads people to the path of death it leads our hearts to the path of death and i think sometimes um, we don't live with that urgency under us that this is this is life and death It's um, scary So how do we stay clear of false prophets and false teachers? So Jesus is clearly warning us. He loves us. We know that he comes from a place of love. He's warning us. He says, be careful. So I think it's kind of interesting that the end of the Sermon on the Mount, he's saying, I demand a decision and be careful. So it's, I mean, it's again, that urgency, that immediacy. Um, Jesus is clearly warning us, um, and so how do we do that? How do we identify false teachers who can lead people into destruction instead of into the life that Jesus promises? Well, first Jesus says, A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. So what fruit is Jesus talking about here? And I think we, have, we can probably have enough time to look. Let's go to Galatians five, twenty-two and 23. So Galatians is in the new testament so it's toward the end of the bible um, it's written uh, by god through the apostle paul um, and he's speaking to a church in galatia so what fruit what does that mean galatians 5 22 and 23 But the fruit of the Spirit is jo- love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against, against such things there is no law. Okay. Thank you so much. So will you read your version? I like that version too. Mm-hmm. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. I like how that version says it. I have your version as well. Mm -hmm. Um, I really like how it says the Holy Spirit produces that fruit. Mm -hmm. So when we have that inside of us, when we have God inside of us, the Holy Spirit, and we are sealed, God says once we accept Christ, we are sealed. The Holy Spirit does not leave our inside. He is within us. That the fruit that he produces and works on us is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's the kind of fruit um, that Jesus is growing inside of us. And as we look at each pieces of these fruits, if we look at them as a beautiful fruit basket, fruit, and fruit probably back then was like our... I don't know, epitome of like the Cheesecake Factory most decadent food. You know, that we're talking about like gorgeous fruit baskets. To us, we're like, can we get fruit all the time? Yeah. We didn't. So this is like the, the most beautiful thing. These are the essence of who God is. These fruits are who God is, and he's developing those inside of us. Um, so these qualities are constantly growing within us. Are we going to be perfectly patient, loving? kind good i mean i have to laugh because of course we're not going to be perfectly um any of that but god promises that these qualities will continue to grow within us um i tend to when i get crabby when i get tired when i get hungry when i get stressed i lose my gentleness i know i know that's the fruit that goes one of the fruits Mm -hmm. that in myself goes first and all of us have something that start to fall off the tree you know the minute we we get that mm-hmm. so um this scripture has been very helpful for me to when i start to feel myself getting irritable to realize watch your gentleness because that's going to be the first fruit that starts to fall and and to pray mm-hmm. for that so each and each one of us has maybe three you know that are primarily the ones that fall but we can you know we all just can be um working cooperating with the holy spirit to develop those within us I also found, um, I wasn't going to say this too, but it just came to me that when I first started to become aware of these fruits and what Jesus was trying to grow in me, (laughs) I found that they be, that whether it be Satan who is tempting me, probably yes. And also God who wanted to develop in me that, that, so if gentleness is my number one fruit that, that, uh, falls off. I found myself in so many places where that fruit was just falling. Like, I mean, it was like, Lord, work on this fruit. build this fruit in me. Okay. So it was like I was constantly bombarded with situations where I had a chance to be gentle or I had a chance to do what myself wanted to do. So, so, yes. Um, Okay. Yeah, Yeah. Easy to forget. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Just like you, you know, at night, say, I'm going to, you know, pray that tomorrow I'm going to be much better. I'm going, yeah. you wake up and you forgot. Yeah. And then something <laughs> happens and you forgot. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. So always trying to keep that mindfulness in front of us. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, yeah totally. All right, so when we look for false teachers, and this can be in ourselves, for sin in our lives, um, but as we look to our leaders, we need to look um, for fruit, evidence of God's love, his touch on our lives. And these can be in friendships, these can be in relationships, these can be anyone, but specifically, Jesus is talking about teachers here. So we need to look at the motivation of our teachers and our leaders. Are our leaders, are the people who are guiding us um, motivated by power, by fame, by money? What's that motivation that is is pushing us forward? Sometimes this is going to be clear, and sometimes um, this won't. But the biggest thing that we can look for in our teachers and our pastors um, and the people who are leading us spiritually is do they glorify Christ, or if you look carefully, are they glorifying themselves? And that's, that's a tricky thing. No one is going to be flawless in this. There are going to be moments that that, that, that happens, um, that they glorify themselves. But the whole thing is is the motivation of their heart to glorify Christ. Um, teachers need to have good behavior and high moral, high moral character. I'm like sitting here going why am I teaching on this like I want to crawl into the table because I'm, like, I'm teaching I mean I don't I hope I don't have any sin but I'm realizing I'm telling you okay. examine my life like that's hard like so here we go okay um our leaders our teachers will be less than perfect Maybe that's why I put that we're less than perfect um we're all subject to sin and it's important for us to show mercy towards our leaders um but it's also very important for their well-being as 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 much as ours, um, to examine the mode of the direction and the result that we're seeking, um, because if someone is is motivated by fame or or self glorification, they're walking that wide road. I mean, mm-hmm. they're so. If you love them, you want to pull someone back and say, "Hey, that's not that's not the right way." So we can look at the motivation of our teachers our preachers and elite and our leaders and the other way we can do is to stay steer clear of false doctrine um and that's just false teaching marlene said it last week um as teachers we we all um when whenever we're doing ministry or or guiding spiritually we want to be in a community of strong believers you don't want to do it on your own because we will be led into temptation and and we'll make mistakes even mm-hmm. accidentally So to be in a community of other teachers, of other leaders, of other people who are spiritually sound, to say, you know what, that's not quite right, Um, and and to help each other do that is so important. So we don't want to get to false doctrine. False doctrine is teaching that goes against the word of God. That's why we've got to know the truth, um, to identify what the truth is so we can say, you know what, that doesn't sound true um, based on the word of God many many believers are living in bondage and in sin they may believe in jesus christ so they're believers in jesus christ they've been saved they're going to heaven but they don't know the truth they don't know what the bible says so they're living in bondage and they're not living in the freedom of christ and i will tell you i lived as a believer in jesus christ for probably 20 some years in bondage because i did not know the word of god and it wasn't until i accepted the very first thing i remember that changed my whole life was saying okay i'm gonna believe the absolute truth of the word of god whether i think i've experienced it whether i've um am feeling it whether this makes sense in my brain that was the turning point of my whole faith journey was to just it doesn't matter what i think or what i feel or i don't mean that Just compassionately, uncompassionately, but this is truth. That's all that matters. Okay. We've got to know the true word of God because often false doctrine will have a hint of truth in it. And that's, oof. So um, we're in the season of um, Lent right now. We've gotten into Holy Week, so Lent is over. But um, in that story where Jesus went out to the desert for 40 days and 40 nights, he was tempted. By, by Satan, and if you look at it, Satan tempted him with Scripture, which is mm-hmm. th- this is all scary stuff. I mean, it, it he Satan knows the Word of God better than you or I ever do. He knows it, so he's going to take the truth that sounds like <clears throat> truth and distort it and twist it. And so, in order for us to protect ourselves, we've got to know what this says. We've got to know the truth of what this says, so we can look at a lie and say Uh uh-uh. I can hear a glimmer of truth in that, but that is not what God says. That is not who Jesus is. This can be daunting um, to be warned and asked to heed the warning from Christ, but let's remember that we cannot ever underestimate the power of the Holy Spirit inside of us. So we're not doing this on our own, ladies. We're not We're not um, accountable to know front and back, intellectually, every word of the Bible. We've got the Holy Spirit inside of us as believers in Jesus Christ. Um, So that is going to be our guide and our help. And I think I have to finish up here in just a second. Um, Jesus demands an answer. Um, And I think, and I know all of us probably have, uh, but this is never so clear as you see someone on their deathbed um who maybe has or has not accepted christ jesus um it it seems in my experience like watching my grandfather pass away and um, other people is that we can push this off for our whole lives we can push it off but when it comes down to the moment where we're going to pass to the other life it he demands an answer and so it's, it's up to each heart to say yes. But I, I think that's a wonderful motivation for us to just continue to love the people around us and share with them the love that Jesus has to, has to offer um i got this last little part on GodAnswers.com, and I, I just i liked it uh, so how do we follow jesus today the same way the disciples did long ago one they heard the words of jesus and they believed them we are to believe the truth they took his words and they obeyed them they confessed their sin to jesus as their lord and god they believed that he died to take the punishment for their sins and he rose from the dead to give them new life and then they followed his example and his command to tell others the truth about sin, righteousness, and judgment. And when we follow him in the way that he tells us, I am the truth, the way, and the life," we can be assured that following him will get us all the way to heaven. So I just really like that. Mm-hmm. All right, So let's end in prayer, and then we got to go to missions. Jesus, we just praise you for your truth. We pray that you just press this urgency upon our hearts. um, And we pray, Lord, that you will continue to grow your fruit in our lives so we can be witnesses of the love that you have given us. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you.